0: Interesting people, incredible stories. This is Talk All Things with JP.
1: And welcome to Talk All Things with JP. I'm your host, JP. Thanks to Oasis AU, your food paradise. And today's guest I'm very excited to have on the show... Dr. Diane McGrath has lived her life challenging what others thought impossible, whether that was to live a year with no single use plastics, prepare for a one-way mission to Mars, or choosing to sail around our planet to help protect our oceans. And welcome to Talk All Things Diane.
0: Thanks, JP. Fantastic to be on
1: the show with you. I'm so excited. No worries, and uh, I'm also excited to have a chat with you today.
0: Um, Whereabouts are you hanging out from? Where uh, are you based?
1: Uh the so the studio is based in Cranbourne, so I'm uh, I'm, I'm in the studio right there. Uh, recording uh, from yeah from here.
0: I'm I'm in the, I'm up in the Sunshine Coast in Queensland at the moment. I'm in a a little room that's a bit like a cupboard.
1: <laughs> nice. So before we get into the episode, let's do some getting to know you questions. Okay. So for me, music puts me in a really good mood. I'm just wondering, what could we find on your Spotify playlist?
0: I've got to admit, it's more full of podcasts than it is of music. Okay. I listen to so many podcasts, including Talking All Things with JP, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but I do listen to some music too. I love I love classical music to wind down if I've been um, like super busy for the day. What what, what about yourself? What's some of your faves? What do you go to first?
1: Um, Yes, I I, I like a lot of different music, but my favorite um, is to go to is um, R&B and rap. Um, But I come from a background of Lebanese in the Middle East, so I like listening um, to a little bit of music of that as
0: well. That's super cool. Yeah. I love that. It's so diverse.
1: Yeah, it is. But I also love my podcasting as well. I'm just, uh, I'm just wondering when you're listening to your podcasting, what what are what are your go tos?
0: I like to listen to a lot of podcasts that are around health. Mm. Um, so I like to like. I'm always interested to think, oh, what can I what can I learn about myself? How can I become even healthier, even fitter? Um, so I listen to. Um, a lot of biohacking podcasts as well. I don't know if you know what biohacking is. No, uh, it's it's essentially it's like how to turn yourself into JP 2.0. Okay. it's it's, um, it's advancing yourself using cool technology or different sorts of innovations or different ways of thinking about food and exercise to mm. take you to different levels. So, for example, I've learned through biohacking, biohacking that I could increase my, how strong my bones were, my bone mass. Uh, and so I did lots of really different sorts of exercises and exposed myself to red light and extreme cold, like cryo chambers, all this sort of really unusual stuff to help increase my bone mass, uh, just because I learned about it through all of these podcasts. Mm, that's
1: really good. And uh, when you're not working during the week, what do you like to do to relax?
0: I try and really chill out. Uh, mind you, I'm very obsessed with a board game at the moment. I love board games and card games. And I'm playing, I don't know if you know this one, The Search for Planet X. Have you heard this?
1: No, I haven't.
0: Oh, I am just obsessed with it, JP. It's like, um, I don't know if you know the, the board game Cluedo, where you have to get Colonel Mustard mm, mm. in the lounge room with the dagger or something like that. Yep. It's the same sort of thing. But in the solar system, you have to try and work out where planet X is in a solar system. So it's in Sector 2, next to a dwarf planet, near a gas cloud. It's So it's kind of like um, space nerd version of Pluto.
1: Mm, mm, that's really good. And, uh, we're recording the uh, episode in the studio, and we uh, have a talk of things time machine. Now, if you could jump in it, and uh, you could only choose one, go into the future or past, what would you choose and why?
0: I'd go to the future for sure. If I can get into a talk all things time machine with you, um, I'd be keen to head out as far as, say, like 2050 to see if humankind has made it to Mars yet. I want to see what that like, what that might look like. And, and by that stage, we'll have settlements on the moon as well. We'll have lunar settlements by then too. So I'd be really interested to see 2050, what our space life is like and how more accessible it is for people like you and me to try and get to the moon and beyond.
1: So that's all we're getting to know you question. Let's talk Mars One and how you were gonna to go to the red planet.
0: Oh, Mars One and the Red Planet. Gosh, that's been quite a chapter in my life, JP. When I first heard about Mars One, that was ten years ago, nearly ten years ago in twenty thirteen. I heard I was I was sitting at home, I was on mm. my iPad and I saw this alert come into my inbox, and it was it was real clickbait. It was something that said astronauts wanted for one way mission to Mars. And so, you know, what do you think? You're going to click on that? Absolutely. Would you have clicked on that? Maybe, Jason? maybe, maybe. I, I, I
1: would have like, I would I would have saw what he, uh, what it said on there, uh, like on yeah. it, and then I maybe would have clicked on it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what, like I was like, who are these guys? I'd never heard of Mars One before. And I knew nothing about their one-way Mars mission at all. So I clicked on it Mm. um, to see what it was about. And it was an article talking about the company and what they were wanting to do. So what the idea was, was that Mars One, who are this, uh, were they're closed down now, but they were a, a large international organization that was, their focus was trying to set up humankind's first permanent settlement on Mars. And so I thought, wow, that would be just amazing to be a part of something like that. But I didn't know where their money was coming from, like who's funding them, what their plan was, what technology they were going to use. I knew nothing about it. So I spent a couple of months researching them. And also, like I'd never been to space. I've always wanted to go. So I spent time researching what would happen to me. Like if I have to spend the rest of my life in space, what would happen to my body? Mm. Um, would it change and do I need to go do I need to change something in my health, which is why I'm so obsessed by all these different health sort of podcasts now, JP, um, I started to really explore this and, and when I thought, oh gosh, going one way to Mars, this is possible. They had a good funding model at the time. They had good technical background. They had people who were advising them from different space agencies like NASA and uh, who worked at NASA and the Japanese space agency JAXA and mm. Roscosmos and, and all of this. And I thought, you know, this is this could actually, this could go ahead. This is fantastic. Why wouldn't you do something so incredible? Because I thought, and the, one of the main reasons I, I signed up, JP, is because I thought, if we're going to have to live on Mars permanently, that means we can't just, Rely on popping to and fro from Earth because it takes it takes seven months to go one way from Earth to Mars. Wow! So yeah, and it's a long time. So imagine if, well, imagine if you run out of you're growing your own food on Mars and you run out of fertilizer. Mm. I mean, there's no there's no bunnings over the next crater. So you've got to, you've got to deal with everything you got there. So wow, you have to live fully sustainably. Um, you've got to grow all your own food, have all your own energy, recycle everything, reuse everything. I thought, wow, that's amazing. We'd have to set up a fully sustainable society on Mars to be able to survive. So I realised then for us to do that, we would have to design and test and prove all of that technology here on Earth first before sending anything to Mars. And so what came up for, for me to sign up was like, well, if we have to do this to go to Mars, then we could be reforming, like reshaping our planet here on Earth today. And that's really worth investing in. So that's why I signed up to go, actually, to uh, to do something incredibly adventurous, but in a way that could help protect our planet.
1: Nice. And... Uh... Um and then uh, me me and uh, uh, my producer does we uh, both done our, our research and uh, we uh saw that uh this trip that you signed up for um it got cancelled um uh, it didn't happen so I am wondering with uh all the research that you did on planet Mars and all the trading and you know all the thinking you did that um how how disappointing um that you didn't get to go and how how did it make you feel?
0: Oh gosh, when I first found out that I wasn't going to be going to Mars because Mars One closed their doors in late 2021, I think it was November, I think they sent us the email. Mm. Um, I was pretty, I was pretty devastated on the first day, uh, JP, because I'd been a part of it for, gosh, about eight years at that stage. So I'd been through, and we can talk about it later if you want, I'd been through a really detailed selection process. I'd done so much training for myself to get ready for it. So a lot of technical training, a lot of personal training. Like I physically changed my body. Um, I had, I went and learned how to weld because I knew I'd be having to do construction. Um, so many things. And, uh, and then to find out, oh, look, this isn't happening. I'm, you know, sorry people. It's been fantastic, but good luck and God, God bless you all. Um, that I thought, well, wow, what do I do now? Um, so I didn't I was actually quite quiet the first few days I was a bit sad like when something you really want to happen doesn't Mm. happen you get a bit sad Um, so I was a bit sad and then I thought about it for a bit and I thought you know all of those things I did do they were an investment in me for the future for a potential future on Mars but just because I wasn't going to Mars doesn't mean they weren't a good investment in me anyway I improved my health So I now have the cardiovascular fitness of a 30-year-old elite athlete. For someone who's in their 50s, that's fantastic. Uh, I now have the bone. You remember I talked about bone mass before with the bone strength with the biohacking? My bone is as good as as, um, a 30-year-old, also great for someone in their 50s. So I've I've transformed my body by trying to get ready for Mars. So what that's done now for today is put me in a much better place for a healthier future on this planet. Um, And so... I guess that some of the, the things I learnt in getting ready to go to Mars has made me Earth-ready and life-ready here for my resilience, for my health, um, and I guess having a better sense of adventure too. So it was a pretty brave thing to do, I think, originally when I signed up to go to Mars. And it's, it's allowed me to feel that it's okay to, to try things that are a bit hard. It's okay to, to have a crack at things that other people might think are difficult or not worth trying because they're not easy. Uh, and it's meant that I've now done things that I'd never have done before. Like I climbed, I did a, a mountain hike with a friend of mine, Kai Furnow, who's an amazing adventurer. I'd never done this before. We had to do it in the snow and, um, and I'd never climbed to the top of a peak of a mountain in snow before. And so we hiked to the top of Mount Feathertop and I was carrying, you know, the big backpacks and everything. Mm-hmm. And it was a, Something I'd never have done before having been a part of the Mars mission. It's made me a lot braver. Um, so, so while it absolutely was a, a disappointing moment, I think it opened up heaps of things for me, JP. So now, as you know, um, you, you know that I'm going to be joining this incredible adventure later this year where I'm, I'm going to be circumnavigating our planet. If I can't go to the red planet, I'm going to go around this one, right? Um, I'm going to be circumnavigating our planet as part of a race. So I'm going to be in a crew in a yacht race that's called the Clipper, round the world yacht race. And I'm going to be exploring our planet, our oceans to protect our planet. Uh, but it's an adventure that I'd never have signed up for in the past. And that's the sort of stuff I'm doing now.
1: Mm. And uh, how did the uh, r- yacht racing uh, come about?
0: Well, I have sailed a bit before in the past, JP, so it's not totally new to me, thank goodness. Although in saying that, I was doing my research on the Clipper race that I'm going to be doing, and about forty percent of people who do this round the world race have never sailed before. I can't imagine how brave that is of them to go. Well, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to sail around the world, uh, and I've never been in a yacht. So, <laughs> that would be incredible. Like good on them. And but Clipper do take you through a heap of really detailed training, and it's all about safety, 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 safety. But in the times that I've sailed over the years, um, it's been mostly, you know, in our bays, in Melbourne, uh, so um, out in Port Phillip Bay, which is a beautiful place to sail. Uh, and in, when I've been living in Canberra, it was in the lake there, lake, lake Billy Griffin. But I've done some ocean sailing as well in the Southern Ocean. Um, in fact, I was lucky enough to be in um, a crew on the Endeavour. You know, our um, the replica that we have of the Endeavour ship that was used to first um, bring white settlers here to Australia. Mm. Um, they did a circumnavigation of Australia back in 2012, I think it was now. Uh, and I did a section of it from Perth, from Albany in Western Australia, right through to Port Lincoln in South Australia. And we, we dropped all the way down to the Southern Ocean to the Roaring Forties uh, and zipped across um, and we were below the sort of level of Tasmania, so really low down. And it was freezing cold. I was sleeping in the hammock and everything I brought on the ship with me, was freezing. And this was in the middle of summer. And then we came up um, straight upwards pretty much uh, up to Port Lincoln. It was two weeks out in the Southern Ocean. And the seas, 15-metre waves uh, in that Southern Ocean, a huge gale storms, the sort of thing you see in those disaster movies. Um, it was phenomenal. And so I thought when I when come back to today – when I hear about the Clipper race and, you know, it's going to be very dangerous in that as well. I thought, well, I've been through dangerous seas. I know what that looks like. I reckon I can do this. I've never sailed around the whole world before. Uh, so that's going to be a bit of a challenge, but I think this is going to be pretty exciting. 11 months at sea. We're in, there's 11 yachts in the race and there's about 20 people on each of the yachts. We're going to hit. Every single continent on our planet except Antarctica. So just amazing. I'll see, I'll see the entire world next year. um, This year we leave, uh, we leave leave the UK in the end of August, start of uh, September this year and we'll be coming back in in July next year. That's my year planned out for the, uh, for the foreseeable future. Pretty exciting stuff in the sailing world.
1: And Diane, uh, when, when you were trading for Mars and now you're trading uh, in in the yacht sailing, I was just wondering, what are the difference?
0: Yeah, actually that's a, an interesting question because there'll be some things that are similar in the training in getting ready for Mars and getting ready for this giant yacht race. Um, and of course, this, I guess when I was getting ready for the Mars training, that was very extensive and, and I had a three-pronged approach. There was the technical training, so I had to learn a whole lot of technical information about space and space technology and um, and what sort of activities I'd be required to do, which would be some um, construction that I mentioned. Um, there was the team training, like how do you perform better in teams, And then there was the personal training, and that was the physical stuff, uh, how to be healthy and fit and be able to uh, be active on Mars, as well as the mental health and resilience side of things, because it would be so... Isolating when you're there on Mars. Imagine, imagine, JP, what, what Mars One were going to do was to send crews of four astronauts every two years from twenty thirty one onwards. So imagine when you know in twenty thirty two when the first crew would have got there, there were four people. And so then two years later, another four come and you'd have eight. Two years later, another four and you'd have twelve and so on. So really small frontier sort of stuff. So you need to be skilled on so many things. You need to be a generalist. So I tried to train myself on so many things, but also thought about what would happen from the mindset perspective. What sort of person do I mentally have to become to be able to to deal with such isolation and loneliness? Um, What about if I'm having a really down day and my best friends are back on earth, what do I do? And that's not too dissimilar, actually, to what I might experience on the clipper yacht. Because each leg of the race from one continent to another can sometimes take a month or maybe more. So imagine I'm out at sea for a month, and I'm not going to be able to get on the phone and chat to someone. We don't really have that sort of technology on the boat. I can send really simple text emails, and that's it. But I'm working twenty-four-seven. There's the the rotation of shifts: six hours on, six hours off, four on, four off, four on, etc. So I'm working the whole time. So. If I'm having a bad day, I haven't got my friends and family there to help me. I'll have to be mentally resilient there. And there's one place as well in the northern uh, hemisphere when it's the leg in between China and the USA that they do, there's a point in the ocean where all of a sudden the closest people to you are actually in space. There's There's no one close enough. There's no land close enough to you in the middle of the ocean. It's actually people who are in the International Space Station who are going to be closer physically to you at that point in time. And when I was thinking about that, I thought, wow, that's really isolating, but also how amazing as well. Our planet is so big to think about that, to think that you could be so separate and distant from everyone at the same time, but we're all still connected here on the one planet. So, yeah, my training has been around looking at that mental resilience. I'm working with counselors on that sort of stuff. My physical training, a little bit different, uh, Where is for Mars I was focusing a lot on total body strength and working on my bone mass and muscle mass strength all over, especially my lower body. For the boat, I need a lot of upper body strength. So I'm pulling really heavy ropes and sails. Um, I'm trying to drag really heavy things. Um, so I need a lot of upper body strength and balance, core strength. And the importance of the core strength, on the boat, the boat is often at 45 degrees when you're racing. You're, the boat, I don't know if you've ever seen much yacht racing on TV or in the movies. The, boat, the, the yachts are often at um, the decks are on a bit of an angle. And ideally, you want to be somewhere around 45 degrees and to be mm-hmm. flying at your fastest. And so it's really hard to stand up. <laughs> so you need to, um, you're engaging in your core, your abs all the time. So I'm having to do a lot of core and balance work and a lot of upper-bottom fits. Body physical strength. So that's some of the differences mm. between getting ready for Mars and getting ready for Clipper. Mm.
1: And reducing food waste. Why is this important to you?
0: Yeah, uh, reducing food waste is important to me, and and I think a lot of people are starting to realise how important that is. And whether that's those of us at home or in our companies in Australia, where we're going through tough economic times at the moment, but we do have a big problem with food waste in Australia. In Australia, we grow enough food. To feed everybody on this, on our country, in our country, three times over, so we could feed us all three times over for the year, no problems with the amount of food we grow. But we throw away the equivalent of one in four or one in five shopping bags of food a week. That's insane, Uh, and there are millions of Australians who go hungry just because they can't afford food. So when what people don't realise that, even though of course you know you're throwing away money when you're throwing away food. What we're also doing is having an environmental impact because when food waste goes to landfill, it gets covered over. You know, when it goes to the tip, it gets covered over and then it becomes it breaks down and creates methane gas, which is the strongest of those greenhouse gases. So if we can reduce our food waste, we're going to improve our environment so we'll have less greenhouse gases. We're going to improve our, our, our bottom line, our pockets. We'll be not throwing away as much money. And if companies do it well, when they end up with surpluses because things are out of date or short dated or whatever it might be, um, people who are hungry might get more food donated. So this is this is the sort of stuff I work with um, on my day-to-day basis. I work with an organisation called Stop Food Waste Australia and we're funded for our seed funding by the Commonwealth Government to try and help all of us in Australia to reduce our food waste uh, because that's a... Sustainable Development Goal, Um, so it's SDG 12.3, which says, hand on heart, we are going to halve our food waste by 2030. That's a lot to do, but it it only takes small steps. What if we decided to, to write a shopping list before we go shopping? Or at home, what if we actually looked in the fridge and realized that, oh, I've got two of those already. I don't need to buy another one. What's the little things we can do at home that can help us reduce how much we end up throwing away? But for our businesses, that can be another thing too. If they also just take a bit of a snapshot before they do things, take an audit uh, of how much food they're using and how much food they're throwing away, they can really take a a good look at where their problems are and reduce how much they're throwing away there and and have a huge impact on our environment and our planet. And this question
1: I will always ask the guests, if you could jump on a yacht right now and and go anywhere around the world, where would you go and sail to?
0: I actually, I would love it if I could sail straight to the start of the Clipper Race uh, instead of flying there. That would be so interesting. I hadn't, when, when I knew that you asked this sort of question, usually you say you get a plane. So when you said to sail, I thought, oh, that's so so cool. Imagine if I could start the Clipper Race from being on a boat already mm. um, instead of just getting on a plane um, to do it almost in reverse. Yeah, so that's what I think I would do, um, just to sort of see what some of those ports might look like. and. Without having to be part of the race to start with, to go backwards through the race and and get to know those ports in advance, so that when mm. I do get to the different ports during the race, uh, I already know where I'm, what I'm going to do from a tourist perspective. I know where I'm going go to go stay, uh, and then I can go back to somewhere. I don't know for yourself, JP. When you go on holidays, sometimes do you go somewhere and go, oh, I, I want to come back there. Mm. I
1: wanna come back and
0: see more. Of, I want to come back and see more of that. So yeah, that's what I would do.
1: Nice. And uh, where uh, for all my listeners, where could they keep following your progress? Where could they follow you, follow you on socials?
0: Uh, my socials? Well, I have a website, JP, which is www.dianemcgrath.com.au. Uh, and I've also got LinkedIn profile, which is um, Diane McGrath. Uh, Instagram, Dr. D-A McGrath. And uh, on Facebook is Dr. Diane McGrath.
1: Well, Diane, oh, yeah. thank you very much for coming onto the podcast show and uh, having a chat with me. Really appreciate it. Hopefully, we can chat again very soon. I'd
0: love to, JP. That'd be great fun, especially when I'm in part of the race. It'd be really cool to connect
1: sometime. <laughs> yes, hopefully. That would be really cool. And a great chat from Diane. Thanks for listening to Talk All Things with JP. I'm your host, JP. See you next week.
0: This has been another episode of the Talk All Things with JP podcast. For more, check us out on Spotify and chuck us a like on Facebook and Instagram.